Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people with dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Norm MacDonald is Canada's most famous play-by-play golf commentator on Twitter. Of course, you know and love Norm even more for his year's anchoring weekend update on Saturday Night Live in the 1990s, followed by The Norm Show on ABC. He's much beloved by David Letterman and many other comedians for the way he breaks down jokes to their humorous essence, whether it was his memorable roast of Bob Saget or in his criticisms of aspiring stand-ups on Last Comic Standing. He's been Colonel Sanders for Kentucky Fried Chicken, written a fictionalized memoir based on a true story, His second stand-up special and first for Netflix is called Hitler's Dog, Gossip and Trickery, and it's available for streaming now. So let's get to it! What has been more important to you in A New Best Friend in Middle Age? Having a dog or having Adam Egit? What is more important to me? Yeah, what has been more important in middle age? Uh, uh, <laughs> well, the thing about a dog is this. Here's the difference between a dog. <laughs> What's the difference between Here's a dog and Adam Egget? Here's the difference between a dog and Adam Egget. If you take a dog and Adam Egget mm-hmm. and you shove them into the trunk of my car and lock it. Mm-hmm. Then the next day you open it, the dog's all happy, loves me. And Adam Egan has a chip on his shoulder for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I, I happen to have known Adam a long time ago when he was just... No, a, what? I, I knew Adam oh. when he was a waiter at the Tempe Improv. And I was what? A, I was really? a, yeah. I was That's a, when I met him. Oh, okay. Well, I was a newspaper reporter for that Arizona Republic in the early 2000s. Oh, really? Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I would, yeah. That's when I met him. He was a really nice guy, a really sweet guy. And uh, whenever I went there, and it, and the club was owned by a crazy man. Oh, Dan Murr. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I knew so, I, I knew Dan very well. You, I, you weren't allowed to. Uh, hang out with the staff because Dan <laughs> wanted you to be with him only. Right. You know? And, uh, and, uh, so the staff would like, whenever you talk to them would like be worried. And so, uh, <laughs> so uh, Adam, he got new at this poker room and he mm-hmm. said he had one, but he, we'd have to do these secret, like we were, you know, uh, secret gay lovers or something that they leave <laughs> each other notes like hidden in the club <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to avoid Dan Murr. You know, and then, <laughs> This triangle that that happened. <laughs> no, yeah, Dan was Dan was a colorful, complicated character. Yeah, that's yeah, for sure. I, I feel sad. Feel sad that he's gone. Yeah. And uh, and the club went to hell, you know, because it was Dan Murray and it was that old guy, and I liked him too. Yeah, Howard. Yeah, Howard. I love, I love that guy. Yeah. And uh, and but now it's it's not a. It's, not what it used to be. No, but it used to be the best club in the whole country. How how surprising is is it to you to see Adam now in a um, in a powerful position in Los Angeles comedy? That's pretty funny uh, because he's not really suited for it. He's too nice <laughs> of a guy, you know. Because he has to he has the hardest job. He has to say yes and no to these comedians, mm-hmm. 
you know, and comedians are fucking delusional. Like, you know, uh, everyone thinks they're good, even though they're not, you know, and so they're phoning them constantly <laughs> for spots. And then, um, Everywhere I go with him, you know, anybody we meet that's a comic, I go, Adam will get you on at the comedy store. You know, he's like, ah. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, yes, let me just get your number, you know. So I try to get more and more people <sighs> asking us. <laughs> how, how many people are there like that? I know the most famous example of someone who worked worked their way up from from the rungs of a comedy club was Les Moonves at CBS. Are, are, he did? Yeah, he used to be a, a bartender at the Improv. I think maybe I knew that in the dim recesses. Well, um, I don't know if Adam, I don't know if Adam's going to run Viacom, <laughs> but he 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 did turn around the comedy store. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nobody went there, and uh, he started like uh, just through his own personality, like uh, which is just kissing everyone's ass uh, to ask all these comics uh, to to come and do spots. And he started getting names there again, you know, uh, because comedy clubs and they're famous like that can can uh, tend to just have the just their regular acts all the time. So you just see, keep seeing the same five guys. Mm-hmm. So Adam really pushed hard to uh, uh, to get a lot more uh, name guys there. You know, a lot through a lot through me. Now that I think about it. Yeah, how instrumental was he for you in terms of like getting you not just on the stage at the store, but also in podcasting and other social media. Um, well, he can't get me on stage. Uh, I won't go. <laughs> he asks me a lot, mm-hmm. but, uh, but no, um, I, 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 um, they, they kept, they've been pushing other people have been pushing me to do podcasts forever. Right. And I never really understood them or anything. And, uh, then this one guy, um, his name is Daniel Kellison. He had this TV thing and he goes, well, we'll get the guests. And I go, well, only if you get like good guests, then I'll do it for free. And plus I want to get, a, um, I have this sidekick guy cause I wanted to get Adam, you know, mm-hmm. cause I thought, uh, I thought it'd be funny to, to do a talk show and just, uh, um, conflate like whatever uh traditional um relationships exist in a talk show sure like uh and so for the for the host sidekick you know the host is a kind of an aloof guy and the sidekick's like a, a guy that he has kind of has power over you know and that's always how it is except with conan because um andy just tends to talk whenever he wants but even when you watch that it's a little it's a little off-putting you know i mm-hmm. think it's the funniest talk show but you're like why is it the you know he talking so much so you're supposed to be a little afraid you know so i did i didn't want to get a comedian because i knew they'd give me blowback so mm-hmm. i said i'll get adam okay and then i'll just completely blow it up where i just t- attack him viciously and and then uh, have it you know he, he he won't be able to come back and and then what I found was interesting about it was I started to do it. And then it's like those experiments, you know, that they used to do at Stanford where they l- let a guy electrocute someone, you know, those things. <laughs> right. Uh, see see if they as, would be willing to do it. Press the button. Yes. And as long as the person thought he, he wasn't responsible, he'd do it more and more. And uh, that's the way it began with it became with Adam because the <laughs> guests would very quickly realize the, the relationship and then they'd start attacking Adam for no reason, you know? So, you know what I mean? Like, like we're like, a, like we're Nazis or something. 
So uh, the only guy that was nice to Adam and the whole time was uh, Sandler. He was uh, he, he was nice, but everyone else, like, just I never told them to, but just out of the blue, they go, <laughs> what the fuck do you know? <laughs> just jump in. Yeah. How, how, how do you feel about the idea of podcasting or having a talk show now? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's so many... Uh, I don't like comedians talking to comedians about comedy so much anymore. You know, I listened to uh, uh, Mark Maron's and there was like mm-hmm. five guys I wanted to hear about that I thought was real interesting. You know, like you want to hear, I don't know, Mel Brooks or or uh, Jonathan Winters or something like that. Right. But I don't want I don't want to hear about somebody that, you know, um, just left UCB last year to get a you know, the fourth lead on, uh, <laughs> on the 10 things I know about my sister or something. A- so I, Alex, uh, please cancel le- next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I know there's a, a, you know, an incredible hunger and, uh, you know, appetite for, um, for, uh, content. Right. You know, and that content, uh, is more, much more important than, you know, quantity is much more important than quality. You just have to, you know, feed this, uh, uh, you know, unsatiable, insatiable, uh, monster. Right. But, uh, but, uh, it's hard to, uh, is that why at the end of your Netflix special, you, you tell the audience that, that you're just really full of nonsense and gossip and trickery. You, you, you don't want it to seem like there's, there's any magic or method to it. Well, that was an ad lib, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I liked it when I saw it in the mm-hmm. editing. I was trying to, because uh, the other special that I did was very uh, structured. You know, I try to I try to wait till, until I have an hour on on one theme. You know what I mean? So, uh, but this time I said, well, I'll try to make it messy. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do some new jokes and I'll add loop whenever I want. The problem is, and then they get an editing, and I'm like, well, cut that part out. And so I don't think it really came through. I was kind of disappointed by this special. But anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I want, well, I want, yes. I wanted them to know, just because I was about to talk about something that was real. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to say, I wanted to say, you know, there's only one thing I really know in life, you know, and I, I don't want you to think I know anything else, you know. Mm. And, uh, um, I always try to uh, tell the audience uh, when I do stand up that uh, I don't know anything and uh, I'm not an informed person. And even if I, even if I am informed about something, that uh, you know, fifty-fifty chance I'm wrong about it. You know, so uh, just because when I, I guess I'm old. When I was growing up, no one had opinions, and then suddenly everyone did. I just right. noticed this fucking thing happened where everybody's a fucking expert, and and to me, it's just obviously they just see something on TV because there's nothing more maddening than hearing the exact same fucking thing, like but. 500 people and I'm like well who didn't think of that how do you think I didn't hear that throughout how does it go again women should have rights over their own body let me write that down I didn't (laughs) I've never heard that before I think think that's why you you hear so much more talk about joke theft and parallel thought during this comedy boom because there's so many more people talking about the same things yeah yeah well you know 
I remember when Joe Rogan did that thing, you know, about uh, Carlos. Like, uh, yeah, he went on stage yeah. with some with that other kid. Yeah. But the funny thing is, they were arguing about a, a joke about the Mexican wall. <laughs> And I'm like, well, that joke wrote itself. Like, you know, don't pick that one. Like, <laughs> like I wrote that. You know, you're like, no, no one, no one wrote it. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, you can tell when it's parallel. Th- you can tell when it's parallel thinking, and then you can tell. I've been, you know, because I've been stolen from. So I'm the easiest guy to steal from because I don't do specials, and uh, right. uh, I'm just under the radar. You know. And so I've been stolen from by mostly hack guys, but also by really great comedians. So, and I have to watch them then, so because I have to then take the stuff out of my act that they've stolen. But uh, sometimes I go, "Well, that could be parallel thought," and then other times I go, "Wait a minute, that's my uncle I was talking about." <laughs> <laughs> Something actually happened to my uncle. And you can tell the guy's stealing it because he's like, sometimes we'll make a mistake and say Norm's uncle. And I'm like, hey, wait. Uh, well i i think also part of part of uh, what makes some of your comedy so special is that you know a lot of comedy is based on misdirection but your misdirection is is sometimes by taking a subject so head-on that people aren't 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 ready for that to just really well that's i've never thought of that but yeah yeah you're right I mean, I'm not doing that on purpose, but I see what you mean. Okay. That the place you'd expect a right turn, I just keep going uh, straight. <laughs> <laughs> you just go st- straight into the eye of the storm. Yeah, because people are, are waiting for the misdirection. Yeah, no, that's true. It's not, a, it's not on purpose. It's just because, uh, it's just because uh, I try the best I can to avoid tricks because it's so like embarrassing you know, to say, oh, I left the... I left out a piece of information, you know. I, I gotcha. <laughs> was was that a style that that you had to hone over the years, or was that something you had even when you were a kid in Canada? No, I always had it. I was always like very direct, and I always I always disliked innuendo. So so uh, I, I always tried to find a way to. Because I always read a lot of books when I was a kid, and I never liked uh, wordy books. You know? mm-hmm. And I, I always liked very so short, you know, sh- short books and direct books. And um, like even now, even though I don't like modern books at all, but I like Corbett McCarthy, you know, and I like uh, very spare to the point, you know, uh, hidden metaphors, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's very artful, but it, it does it doesn't seem so. You just you decide yeah you joke about deciding to put a lot of art into your memoir. And uh, <laughs> deciding I, I, I what you you, <laughs> you joke in the special about 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 how you decided to put a lot of art into your memoir because you didn't feel like your own life was was good enough to. <laughs> so you I did yeah so you turned to fiction. Yeah, you, but I said that in my, in my special. Yeah, you, you joke about. <laughs> Uh, spoiler alert! You joke about how your your real life is so much more about uh, acquiring and eating food. Oh yeah! Oh, okay. <laughs> so you decided that. So you decided that your memoir needed a little something extra. Yeah, yeah, that's what happened when I I knew I couldn't do a memoir pretty well from the beginning, and uh, you know, 
and and they said backstage stuff. And I said, I'm telling you guys, nothing happens backstage. I'm not making that up. Like, I'm like, it's on stage, you know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then backstage, it's just guys eating sandwiches, trying to figure out what to say when they get on stage. It's like, there's no, it's not like it's funnier backstage. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I could, you know, it's boring backstage. But if you, you know, if you want to see how. Like backstage of Saturday Night Live is the same as backstage at Home Depot. You know what I mean? It's exactly the exactly the same. So uh, I'm sure some people maybe get a kick out of the idea that uh, you know they uh, they have the same basic life as uh, as a, a, f- a funny man. You know the diff- the difference but, being uh, the difference being that when you go into a sixty Twitter long uh, essay about backstage <laughs> at Saturday Night Live. People, people are 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 enraptured by it oh, and decide to turn it into a viral yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did do that. I forget <laughs> in Twitter that I, I think I'm just like talking to some people, mm-hmm. and then um, and then yeah, just, and then it, somehow it shows up as a story, and then guys get mad at me and stuff. But uh, when you're doing it, you just mm-hmm. think you're you're just fooling around. Well, and uh, <laughs> also, I like writing on Twitter because. Uh, I, I like whoever came up with that 140 character thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's great because it just helps your writing so much. <laughs> and uh, so now I'm trying to write uh, uh, 80 characters. I'm trying to get shorter and shorter and shorter. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> what I do is I'm writing, mm-hmm. and then I get tired of writing, and I go, I'll just go on Twitter for a while, you know, and, and uh, fuck around on Twitter. And if golf's not on, then you have to actually write. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That was a little OCD thing. I did that one time, you know, just for fun. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then people like tweeted me, "Oh my God, thank you! I met my mother-in-law's. I hate her guts, and I wanted to, probably, you know, I wanted to know what was going on in the game. <laughs> did Dustin Johnson and make then, the putt or that, not? Yeah, <laughs> I know golf maybe is the funniest one because it's uh, so, it's so you know, it's uh, you know middle-aged guys playing the world's slowest game <laughs> is that why you like it written about by a middle-aged guy on his computer um yeah that's why i like it. i like it because it's uh i like uh, slow slow things that are suddenly um incredibly exciting for a moment and then slow again yeah that's the back nine at masters Yes, exactly. That's my favorite part. Um, That's what Raymond Floyd said. He said, I, you know, because he, he gambled and drank a lot. He said, I ain't, I ain't never going to heaven, but I've been in the back nine of the Masters. <laughs> Augusta. I've been in the back nine of Augusta. Have Have you ever Have you ever played Augusta? No, no. I, I didn't even think I could get in, you know. But. Somebody told me it's not as hard as I thought it was. No. But I, I can't play golf. I suck it. I mean, I, lie. I play golf a lot, but mm-hmm. I'm no good. I don't think you have to and be I good. Ne- I never go in, I never, I never go in uh, celebrity events, you know, because cause I get angry, you know, <laughs> and I suck. And so that's the last thing they want. Hmm. So uh, I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to clown around and I'd be yelling and then ruining everyone's score and people wouldn't like that couldn't couldn't ray romano or somebody like that give you give you or george lopez give you advice on how to deal with that well they're they're real good golfers not that you, gotta, you gotta be a good golfer plus uh, uh they told me like when you tee off like guys are you know 
sticking their heads out like you know eight feet in front of you like to watch <laughs> <laughs> so if you slice it or something you kill someone <laughs> that was uh that was former president gerald ford's claim to oh, fame that's right he was always yeah, hitting right. people on the golf course i think i think it was <laughs> he was right. more famous for that than for falling down the steps but chevy made that a thing yeah he didn't really fall that much but no. yeah he, yeah he hit a but he was an awful golfer. It's funny, like Chevy Chase makes fun of him, and then he he does what he never did before. You know, I mean, he, he lives up to the character. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I heard your dogs in the background. What kind of dogs do you have now? Oh, um, that's that's not my dog. Oh. I I have a I have a I have a cat. What? I have two cats. Well, no, I have a cat. I only have one cat now. Um. What I did was I got two cats, and then one cat died, mm-hmm. and then, oh my God, this fucking guy comes drives over this like vet on in a truck or something. Mm-hmm. He just drive, drives to your house to kill your cat. What? So because my my cat was stumbling around and he looked really weird, and then, and then he kind of was trying to hide under the couch. And I was like, what's going on? His eyes were all glassy, and it was Sunday, so I found his you know I found this guy, and he's like. You know, vet with a truck. And I'm like, yeah, can you come over? And then he shows up and uh, he says, oh, yeah, I got to kill him. And I knew that even if he was in great health, this guy would want to kill him, you know, because that's where he makes his money. And so uh, he takes up this, uh, you know, a syringe of uh, this pink death and, and squeezes it into my cat. And then I was like, why is the cat trying to hide? You know, and he's like, he's afraid of prey finding him, or predator, predators finding him, you know, and eating him. I'm like, oh, you, you, know, you could just say, I don't know. You don't have to tell me everything. <laughs> and then, the, so then I'm with my boy, you know, and we're both sad. And then he's like, you know, take the living, the remaining cat that's alive, Kitty, mm-hmm. and take him over to the dead cat, Bobby, ex-Bobby, and, you know, Put the, put them put him near the corpse so he'll have closure. He'll understand. Like this guy knows anything about what a cat believes in or thinks. So I'm pushing the cat into a corpse cat, and my son is crying. And I'm like, and and a and a, a live cat wants nothing to do right. with you know. No one no one pushes a person's head into their you know dead brother's. Uh, well, I don't want to bring up people's dead brothers, but I'm an only child. That's so okay. Oh, thank God. <laughs> Wait. So, this, was this is this all happening today? <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. It happened. It happened like three weeks ago. So now oh, okay. I have one long cat who doesn't seem traumatized at all. Mm-hmm. He's, he seems happy to get twice the attention and okay. twice the food. He well, doesn't miss the other cat. Well, I heard all the dogs today, and if you're saying those are the vets' dogs, I'm. I'd be concerned that oh, no, that we're no, trying no, to talk no. comedy while you're dealing with the death <laughs> of a cat. Oh no, I'm doing it on my friends who has a who has a cute dog. Okay, a little French bulldog. Uh, just for the final question, then, um, you know, because you joke about even even Hitler having a dog. I know one of the things that people have been saying about President Trump is that he has never had a dog. Do you think? Uh-huh. <laughs> do you think he? Do you think? But knowing that Hitler had a dog, do you think it would help if Trump had a dog or or a cat? Um, 
Oh, uh, you mean? <laughs> do, you, do you think it would help? You mean people are making the case that it makes them worse than Hitler? <laughs> no, I think people are making the case that that, that Trump needs a dog to have some sort of uh, empathy or. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or have, um, have some more emotion. Well, I think the idea always to me is that a dog is if you have a dog. You're more likely a, a dictator because the dog does whatever you say. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have a cat, that's a free, uh, a free being, you know, that does what it will, right. and uh, and you just uh, you live with and uh, and uh, and love, uh, despite the fact that he probably doesn't love you back that much, you know. So I would say, you know. If you got a dog, that'd be bad news, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, I think you should get a cat like me, you know. <laughs> Look at me; I'm not, I'm not invading Poland anytime soon. No. All right, so I, I will send this message to the White House. Get, yeah. Get the president a cat. Get the president a cat. Does it matter and, what kind uh, of cat or any any kind of a cat? I guess a cat that uh, could understand the nuclear codes might be good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what kind of cat that would be, but I'll I'll do some uh, I'll ask Wikipedia for that. <laughs> Maybe a Siamese cat because <laughs> wait, what was Siam? Turkey? I can't remember. Siam was India. At first, I thought that was Iraq. But I thought Siam was, was Siam was India. Yeah. Before India uh, or Thailand? I'm not smart. Thailand. I'm not smart. It was Thailand because of the king is Thailand. the king and I was Siam. Yes. All right. I appreciate your time. I'll give you a call back, okay, Norm. Okay, so yeah, call me if you have any follow-up Will do. All right, thank you. you like. Thank you, Norm. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.